Today on Personally Speaking, our guest is the iconic singer and composer and actress, Tony Tennille. Please stay with us. Hello and welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gimelsanti, and singer, songwriter, actress, Tony Tennille joins me now. Tony's best known as one half of the 1970s duo Captain and Tennille with her husband, Daryl Dragon. Their signature song is Love Will Keep Us Together, which won the Grammy Award for Record of the Year in 1976. Tony Tennille was born Catherine Antoinette Tennille in Montgomery, Alabama. She studied classical piano and went on to attend Auburn University, where she was the sole female singer with the school's highly lauded big band, the Auburn Knights. The Captain and Tennille went on to become one of the most popular musical duos of the 1970s and 1980s, and they went on to host the Captain and Tennille show on ABC. Tony also lent her voice to songs by Elton John and Pink Floyd's rock album, The Wall. She's currently starring as Dolly Levy in the Yavapai College Performing Arts Center production of Hello, Dolly! in Prescott, Arizona. Tony's here with us today to tell us about her current role and to talk about her life, her career, and the values that matter the most to her. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the great singer, Tony Tennille. I want to thank Tony Tenille for coming on our show, Personally Speaking. Delighted to have her, a huge fan for many, many years. And uh, Tony, let me ask you this first and foremost. I'm a big believer that we are uh, so strongly influenced by our family of origin. Catherine and Frank, the mom and dad who formed and shaped you. When you look back on your early life, what did they do right? Well, first of all, they were, they were music lovers and mm -hmm. um uh, my father sang with the uh, bob crosby's big band in the late 1930s in fact you can still if you go on youtube you can put in frank tenille and you can hear him sing he had a lovely voice wow. <clears throat> and uh, my mother uh he, you know he taught me about the great standards and the great singers of the 30s, 20s, 30s, 40s, early 50s, and so forth. And my mother had one of the very first talk shows ever, uh, and she was live on live five days a week <laughs> and did it for years. And I you know, would watch her do her show, and I learned a lot from my mom as well. Um, but I got classical experience. I studied classical music for 10 years, piano. And from my dad, I, I got all the wonderful big band stuff and things like that. And, of course, I was raised in the era of rock and roll and that kind of thing. So I have a lot of background there. Now, you've talked, Tony, about uh, your, your parents sharing with you the music of the great people from Sinatra to Sarabon, all sorts of wonderful people. Here's what I'm wondering. When you hear them and you hear their interpretations, how do you find your voice? Like, there's something so distinctive about you that, that you took even – old standards but you make them your own how do you well come? yeah ahead. that's that's the thing that that it was important to me um uh, i remember um edie gourmet telling me once that uh, she was so enamored of uh, of of sarah vaughn which we all were mm -hmm. and she incorporated a lot of sarah's you know uh, techniques into her own interpretations and when she was young 
And she went to see Sarah at a concert, and she said uh, afterwards, uh, she said, I just thought you were wonderful. Um, And she said, any advice for me? And Sarah said, you be Edie. I'm Sarah. You be Edie. And so, you know, you need to be who you are. And of course, you're influenced by all these great singers. Sinatra, in my case, Joe Williams, Sarah Vaughn, uh, Carmen McRae, uh, Ella Fitzgerald. You know, they were all important to me. You know, uh, I, I remember falling in love as a, a young man with the song that came out of uh, the group, Peter, Paul, and Mary, but, uh, and I always loved it, especially being a guy in ministry, the wedding song. But when I heard your version of the wedding song, it was entirely new and different and beautiful. And, uh, but again, I'm wondering, the guy who wrote it doesn't sing it as well as you do. <laughs> well, so. you know, <laughs> that often happens to songwriters. They, you know, they'll have somebody... Re- <clears throat> Sorry, we have allergies here right now. In, in oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but it will happen. You, you know, you if you give permission for somebody to record a song you've written, you never quite know what they're going to come up with. Yeah, and sometimes it's you know not as good as you would have done it. Sometimes it's better or more interesting. Right. Well, you certainly mastered that song for sure and made it your own. I'm, I'm wondering, because uh, I, I know there was an upbringing in, in Alabama, but I, I know mm-hmm. nothing about what what was Tony Tennille's experience of the journey of faith? Was there a journey of faith as you were growing up? Well, I was raised uh, Episcopal in the okay. Episcopal Church and was confirmed in the Episcopal Church and mm-hmm. um, sang in the choir from the time I was really young. Okay. Um, and... Um, I enjoyed, we, it was the Church of the Ascension, which was ah. a, what they call low Episcopal Church. I didn't know there was a high one at that time uh-huh. until later. <clears throat> but actually, I, I don't know what you are, but I switched over to the Presbyterian Church because they had a better choir and, and they sang more interesting music. Isn't that ridiculous? But yeah, that's my background. No, no, no. Actually, every... Uh African-American actress or singer we've ever had on always says uh, it began, you know, in the choir. Beyonce was one of our guests, and, and she too oh. said, you know, it, it began in, in church. It began with singing with the choir. So, uh, Tony Tennille, you may not be African-American, but you have the same roots as our friends in the African community. I have, I have to ask you this, too. You, you know, yeah. we all know that you had this incredibly uh, active and, and busy career, but I'm wondering, like— the time in between, when you're not on the stage, what, what does Tony Tennille do or did uh, to, to have a sane life, a normal life? Like, what do you do with downtime? Well, you know, that's always been my aim in life. And that was one of the things of, of being famous that I, I had a hard time with. I, I wanted to be a regular person, which is what I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, after I retired uh, and we moved here, Daryl and I moved here to Prescott. Prescott, mm. it's pronounced, Arizona, um, I decided I was going to just retire. But what I did, I had two things that I did during that time. One was I immediately started singing <clears throat> with the master chorale at the Yavapai College. Okay. And that's the chorale that sings all of the great masters, Brahms and Beethoven and ah. Mozart and all that. Uh, and then also to occasionally sing with the Pops Chorus, which, you know, does wonderful things as well. But I kept busy that way. But also, when I came to Prescott, I had uh, two Australian shepherds that I brought with me. Mm-hmm. And I found out there was a big Australian shepherd scene here. I got very involved in that and began to show uh 
uh, my my dogs in in uh, um, show you know regular confirmation shows, but also in agility trials. And I did that for quite a while. And one of my dogs, uh, my Australian Shepherds, who passed away unfortunately uh, mm. when he was quite young, but. He and I worked at the local hospital as a therapy team for about six years. Amazing. Uh, you know, working with patients and visiting patients and their families and hospital staff, which was a great joy to me. Tony Tennille is our guest. Tony, uh, I, I've heard from many sources that you are a, a big fan of animals and, as you mentioned, the shepherds. But is, yeah. this a, is this a lifelong love of yours or is it something more recent? Oh, no, no, no. I've always had dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. um, I just happen to have right now two Maine Coon kittens. <laughs> okay. Do you know anything about the Maine Coon? I do not. Okay. Well, they are quite large. And uh, in fact, I, I got these two kittens from an, uh, I've never gotten a purebred kitten, but mm. this time I did. And they are, uh, they grow to be quite large and they keep growing until they're about four years old. My 11-month-old Maine Coon kittens, uh, brother and sister, he weighs 23 pounds now at 11 okay. months, and she weighs 19 pounds at All 11 right. months. Okay. So, so I've got those, and um, I just I love all sorts of animals. You know, I rode horses for years when I was young. Yeah. Um, younger until I was about in my 60s and then I quit <laughs> <laughs> I did other things instead but and I hiked and climbed all over the Sierras that's where my heart always is in the Sierras uh, for years and years climbed Mount Whitney twice mm. and uh, Daryl and I moved here to Prescott Prescott for two reasons first of all um we didn't want the amount of snow we were getting in northern Nevada all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we would get six, seven feet of snow every winter. Right. And uh, Prescott has some snow, but nothing like that. Wow. And also the fact that it is a fabulous center for the arts. Mm -hmm. Artistic people are all over this town. And, uh, and, you know, we've got sculptors, we've got writers, we've got poets, we've got everything you can think of here. So it's a very creative place to live. You know, folks may or may not know that Tony Tennille, uh, uh, several governors, in fact, appointed her as a, the ambassador at large to the arts. And I, I mention that, Tony, because uh, around the country we're hearing more and more that arts programs, especially in most schools, have been uh, limited or cut out because of yeah. budget constraints. Uh, any idea why we're doing that and, and what, what's the reason we should not be doing that? You should definitely not be doing that we mm -hmm. need we need arts in the school arts and music in fact um i know we're going to talk a little later on about my the hello dolly that i'm doing but right. i am doing that for yavapai college performing arts theater uh, they have a fabulous theater department where they teach not only acting and singing and dancing and all that but how to build sets how to you know how to build them and design them how to build and design costumes i am so impressed with the work they do so i agreed to do dolly i am not getting paid i'm not getting a cent huh. every penny that they get from the performance of dolly is going to the theater department and the humanities department at yavapai college now, now tony when you take on an iconic role like dolly levy or i was amazed to read that you've also been uh, someone who took over 
uh, that great role created originally by Julie Andrews, Victor Victoria. Is yep. it intimidating in any way to find your own way of bringing Tony Tennille into that particular role? No. Okay. Because that's something that I always want. My I always want whoever I'm doing to be honest, an honest performer, an mm. honest person. I, I Let me see if I can explain that. Um, Dolly has been done beautifully by so many famous women, people that mm-hmm. I know. Um, and they are, you know, they they have done it. it. It can be done as just kind of a farce, a comedy, a, you know, yuck a minute, a wink, wink, kind of nod, nod thing to the audience. But when I uh, went over the part of Dottie, Dolly, when, uh, uh, when uh, Dr. Ralston asked me if I would do it, I went back and I read... Um, the Thornton Wilder book, The Matchmaker, mm. because that's basically what Dolly's based on. Mm-hmm. And Dolly is a person. She's a human. She appears to other people like she's just, oh, I'm going to you know, get these people together and I do all sorts of things and I'm funny as heck, which she is. But she's also very lonely, which mm. people don't understand in her backstory. She was married to a man named Ephraim Levi. Right. Uh, she was born Dolly Gallagher, but she married Ephraim Levi. And evidently, he was the love of her life. They adored each other. And he died very young before they had a chance to have children. Mm-hmm. And so she was left very poor. He didn't ma- they didn't make a lot of money. And she had to figure out a way to support herself. Mm-hmm. And she loved the idea of matchmaking. And in my opinion, she does it because she loves to put people together. It reminds her of when she and Ephraim were young. Mm. And she lives alone. Uh, She talks talks about that in a very famous monologue Mm -hmm. about how she lives alone. Um, You know, she, uh, one night, you know, she, she, a, a, a leaf, oak leaf fell out of her Bible. And that was a leaf she placed there when Ephraim asked her to marry him. Uh. And she looks at it now, and it's a perfectly good leaf, but it has no color and no life. And she realizes then that life is passing. Mm -hmm. She's got to get back into life again. And, of course, she's always asking Ephraim (laughs) about this. And she says, you know, let me go. Let, let me let me go. I, I want to live again. And she goes into the famous b- before the parade passes by. Mm-hmm. And she has her eye on uh, on Horace Vandergelder, who lives in Yonkers, who owns a hay and feed store. And evidently he is the famous half a millionaire, <laughs> which in, the, in that period of time around that 1900, he has about 60,000 cash. But he's in, incredibly penurious and stingy (laughs) and she looks at that money that he has and thinks what good that could do Mm -hmm. if she could get some of that money out to people who need it and her her husband Ephraim Levi always believed uh in this is also another famous quote from Dolly he says to her money is like pardon the expression manure Right. It's not worth a thing unless it's spread around encouraging young things to grow. Mm-hmm. And so that's in addition, of course, to she's tired. She's working hard. 
but she thinks of all the good that money can do. And Horace is, is a cranky and miserable old guy, and she knows that she could do good with what he's got. And she likes him mm-hmm. in spite of how you know cranky he is all the time. Uh, but anyway, she decides, I'm going to marry him. And she talks to Ephraim and says, I'm going to marry Horace Vandegelder for his money and send <laughs> it out circulating around the world. And it's very fun to be Dolly. She knows she knows how to handle him. She knows exactly how to get him to marry her. And he thinks he's a widower, too, and he thinks he wants a 19-year-old, you know, and <laughs> right. to clean the house and do all these things. And uh, she realizes, no, he needs me. And I think there are places in this Dolly where people are actually going to, to tear up. I cry when I listen at rehearsal. There are certain scenes where it it makes me cry for how beautiful it is and yeah, how yeah. how wonderful you know love is when two people can find it together. So yeah. there's more to it than the funny stuff, mm-hmm. and indeed it's hysterically funny. But I think a lot of today's women are going to say that's exactly how I feel. Mm-hmm. I've got to get back into life. I can't keep doing what I'm doing right now. All right. Tony Tennille is our guest, and we're talking about her performances as Dolly Levy and Hello, Dolly. You know, anytime someone decides to do stage work, uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it's challenging. The, all these actors in New York who come on our program talk about being exhausted every night. There you yeah. go, willing to take on the role of Dolly. i got to ask you, though, um, mm-hmm. Tony, last week I was 30 and now I'm in my 60s. Uh, Life, as you you know, passes us by quickly. And I got to ask you, how well has Tony Tennille handled the reality that we're all aging? I think I've done pretty well. All right. I've done I've done all of my life. I've I've taken really good care of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you know, careful what I was eating. I didn't I never did drugs. I, you know, occasionally had a glass of wine. That's about it. I always exercised and kept kept myself fit. Yeah. Um, and I'm eighty two now. When I step on that stage, wow. I'll be eighty two. And <laughs> I don't think people will even think about my age. I really don't. Uh, I mean, it's there are things obviously I can't do anymore. I I told uh, Dr. Ralston, I said, well, okay, I'm your dolly, but I'm not going to do any splits or tours. <laughs> you know, you got to, you know, tailor the, the choreography for me, which they have done. It's just wonderful choreography. And they've also let me do kind of my own own thing mm-hmm. uh, when I wanted to. Uh, but the one thing, you know, I can, I'm a, I, I can act. I'm a wonderful singer. Right. I have, I'm a, I'm a, I know comedy. I've, I've loved comedy all my life. And it's one of those things you, you, you can't be taught. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. You either know it and can do it or you can't. You've either got and, it or not. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like with jazz, you either know how to swing or you don't. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to swing. <laughs> I know how to swing. <laughs> now, Tony Tennille, in addition to her great entertainment career, has also uh, put together a very poignant book called Tony Tennille Memoir. Tony, mm-hmm. there's, there's something I want to address there because sure. I, I, there are so many people who listen and watch a program like ours who uh, say when they, if they would read that memoir, which I hope they will, they would say, yeah, yeah that's, that's my story in terms of 
marriages that we stay in that are sometimes uh, yep. not what they should be. And you talk specifically about the emotional distance, the intimate, the lack of intimacy. Yeah. Um, it, do you have any insights at all uh, for the many spouses who are out there who are married to someone who just can't be what we hope they would be? Is there a way to break down the walls? Is there a way to challenge uh, the, 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 the frozenness of their hearts um, to move past paralysis, to get people to, to feel and to express and to share intimacy? You know, having lived it, do you have any insights into how do we break the wall? I got to tell you, Jim, I tried for 40 years wow. with Daryl. And then, of course, you know, we had the fact that um, we made wonderful music together. Right. And I was very um, inspired. I was probably my most creative as, as, a, as a songwriter when I was with Daryl. Mm. But, but uh, he was one of the most dif- difficult men. You know, in Tony Tennille's book, she talks about the fact that Daryl had to cope with, among other things, a highly domineering father. And it just was a reminder yes. reading that, that a parent and the way in which we either love our children or don't love our children can make mm-hmm. all the difference for our whole life. That whole man carried the scars of, of the family that raised him, whereas yes, you, in so did. many ways, you flourished because of the family that loved you. And yeah. I, you know, when we talk about your very, very multifaceted career and the great success you have, I got to raise something that every actor in New York talks about, that we, we look at your successes, but every actor, every singer has gone after that role that was perfect for them, but that it didn't happen. When in yeah. your life it hasn't happened, how does Tony Tennille handle disappointment or rejection or what could have, would have, should have, would have been? I think, you know, I pretty much... I'm trying to think of when I was rejected. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's good if it's a struggle to remember. <laughs> well, I remember when Daryl and I, uh, you know, uh, started getting, um, we were start trying to get a record company to be interested in us. And I remember we sent out a, an, a, a, a something we created and we got a note back saying, um, <clears throat> we already have a blonde singer. Mm. And so, okay. <laughs> And then I remember this was a rejection that kind of stung me a little bit until while well, I thought about it. And I don't think I've ever told anybody this. Um, when we moved up, we, we quit, you know, doing a lot of uh, Captain and Tennille stuff and we moved up to Northern Nevada. Mm-hmm. And I had written some songs for other people, you know, with the idea of shopping them to other artists. A lot of times I would get, oh, if the song was so good, why didn't she record it? Well, huh? it might have been because it wasn't right for my voice, or maybe it was a sad song that people don't like to hear Captain and Tennille do. But anyway, I um, I had written a, a, a really wonderful song that I thought at the time would be really good for, um, oh, God, don't, this is why I'm so damn old. Pardon my <laughs> French. Um <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. uh, gosh, she was the great uh, uh, artist, the black singer that, that died too young. Um, Wh- Whitney, she, Whitney Young. Uh, Whitney, okay. Yeah. And, and I sent in a song that I wrote called Love Survives that I wrote actually for Howie Greenfield, who wrote all the lyrics for Neil Sedaka. He and, mm. and he wrote the lyrics for Love Will Keep Us Together, and I adored that that man. And when he passed... I started thinking, how would he be remembered? Of course, Neil was the most famous because he, of the two, because he 
recorded all the songs, but how we wrote the lyrics. And I was on a hike up at Lake Tahoe by myself, and I thought he will be remembered for the music that he wrote, the great songs he wrote. Mm -hmm. So I went back home, got to the piano, <clears throat> and wrote a song called Love Survives. And it's Love Survives in a song and a memory. Love Survives, though everything else is gone. <clears throat> mm. In the darkest night, there will always be a light because love will survive. And it's a big, giant ballad, power ballad thing, which yeah. is not really, I wasn't into singing that kind mm -hmm. of thing at the time. So I sent a, 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 a thing of it, a recording of it, to Clive Davis, who was the record company that she was with at the time. Right. And I said, I, you know, I was wondering if, if this could be considered for Whitney uh, Houston, because she could have knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. And I got a note back from him, <laughs> actually through his secretary, I suppose, who said, thank you very much. You know, it was a lovely song. Uh, but Whitney, you know, chooses her own songs for her albums. And he said, and and actually, you and Daryl don't have the cachet we're looking for. Oh. In other words, we weren't hip enough, yeah. you know. And we uh, didn't, you know, we didn't do drugs. We were just kind yeah. of, you know, we just, and I thought, oh, wow, that stings. Yes. But then I thought, well, yeah. I understand. <laughs> You're very well, understanding, really, Tony. You are. I said I understand. I mean, why you had to tell me that? I don't know, but <laughs> I, I understand why because I never, you know, we were never the hip couple. Um, even though I knew that we were both really excellent musicians, mm -hmm. and that we were deeper than people thought we were, and that's okay. But I always knew that we would probably be our work would probably be respected after. You know, mm -hmm. after we had our big day. And that's kind of what happened. You know, when we quit touring and performing and all of a sudden I'm kidding. Where are you? We need that. <laughs> we need your music. Where are you? And, you know, it's just you have your time. I always yeah. understood that. And then it goes and you go on to something else. I would not change one thing about my life or wow. the decisions I made. You know, didn't work, work out with Daryl, but... You know, we did some wonderful things together. We touched a lot of people with our music. Sure and did. I'm doing things that I'm loving also. Yeah. I, I want to I thank Tony Tennille for being with us. Tony, <laughs> uh, obviously, the singing and the songwriting and the acting and the, the dancing and the, everything you do, you're an amazingly <laughs> talented woman still in your 80s doing great stuff, being fully human, fully alive. But even in what you just said uh, in terms of, you know, not everything worked out perhaps with Daryl, but even in something like your memoir, I, I think that there are tons of people in, uh, in marriages that are challenging who would draw yeah. hope. From the fact that uh, you hung in there and you tried every way you could. And even I after did. the breakup, you loved and you were there for him. You're, you're remarkable, not just as a performer, but as a human being. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing some of your amazing life story with us. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having me on, Jim. I yeah. sure appreciate it. I'll, I'll be praying for your endless energy on stage as Hello, <laughs> Dolly. <laughs> I'll be looking for it. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Tony. Be well, my friend. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye.
As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach me, you can write me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to this show or past episodes by going on YouTube and searching under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jimosanti, where you'll be able to watch shows as well. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.